Welcome to another episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Katie. I'm Alan. And we are still married, and we are super excited. We are? I I am. Are you? I think so. Why? Well, you know that we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Do we, do we want to introduce our guests right up front? Because it feels, it feels awkward just letting our good friend Natasha just kind of sit around listening to us to introduce her. I think that's bad etiquette. It is. Okay. Natasha Helfer Parker, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hooray. Natasha's in the house. Okay, thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. Of so I'm course, Natasha, yeah, I'm Natasha Helfer Parker. Um, let's see, introductions. So I am a marriage and family therapist and have been working in kind of a clinical capacity for over 20 years, the majority of that time with uh, members of the church. So all over the spectrum, uh, from people who would consider themselves very devout and believing to people who might consider themselves post and transitioning to those who consider themselves nuanced and everything in between, because there's lots of labels. So that's been kind of my, my gist. And in that experience, I have obviously dealt with, uh, you know, uh, working with a lot of mixed faith couples and all the different ways that they come, all shapes and sizes, <laughs> as far as what that tends to look like. Right. So I, I love your audience. I love working with your audience. I, I just really love helping people navigate some of the challenges that come with that. Well, we love you too, and they love you too, which is um, why we have her here today. So I want to just talk a little bit about where we started. You know, we started the podcast two years ago. And it was a way for us to not feel alone. It was a way for us to express how we were feeling. And just like one by one, we started to gain a community. And it was more like hundred by hundred by hundred. It, it, very quickly, it did. Which was which was great because it showed just how needed this space was and how how much this is happening, how alone other people felt as well, which helped us personally but also shined a light on, on the need here. Yeah. And, you know, we were always thinking of like the next thing. We're always thinking of like the thing that we could do next to help people. And so we offered to take people out for dinner and we got crazy busy going to a lot of dinners and a lot of lunches, which we really enjoyed. And then we thought, well, you know, we can't be the common denominator of everybody, but we can at least try to bring people together. So that led to the meetups. And we just had a meetup on, on um, Saturday, was which great. was excellent. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of uh, new faces that we hadn't seen or heard from before. And about a year ago, I said to Alan, you know, I wish that someone would have handed me a roadmap. They would have said, you're here and here's a roadmap and here are things that you can do in order to make your life better. And there was no, there was nothing, there was no one I could talk to and there wasn't anything like that. And so a year ago I said, you know, we've got to think of a way where we can get information to people who are also struggling and feeling alone, who don't have the resources to do so. And at these meetups that we've had, exactly what you just said, Katie, has been said so many times before when people, uh, on Natasha, you were at the meetup on Saturday and we had a few people mention I wish that there had been a course that I could have taken was 
one literal thing <laughs> that a quote from one of the people that was there. It's, it's so common. You, you want a map. If you've seen Dear Evan Hansen, does anybody have a map is one of the first songs of the show. And it's just like, show me how to do this. I don't know what to do. So over the last little while, a few months now, it, uh, Natasha, Katie, and I have been developing a, a mixed faith marriage course, an online course for uh, everybody. And we're excited that it's not just here in Utah in person, because uh, as evidenced by our mixed faith marriage map on Google, there are couples literally all over the globe uh, that, that can benefit from uh, from some help in their mixed faith marriage. So when Katie and I, like you mentioned a year ago, it's pretty obvious now why Natasha's here, but we kind of looked at each other and said, we've got, we, we have some very practical advice. We have, um, you know, we've presented at a few conferences, we've gotten some good feedback, but man, we need a powerhouse clinical expert to really bring some, some, some good, solid um, therapeutic uh, professionalism into this and clinical work. And of course, Natasha came to mind because of our, our previous work with her, both here on the podcast and in a number of conferences that we've seen her at and been able to, to be with her at. So we reached out to you, Natasha, and we started um, developing all this stuff. And so what we'd like to do now is walk everybody listening. We'd like you to, to hear a little bit about what this course is, maybe even what it isn't, and uh, even walk week by week what we would actually cover. So Natasha, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. What does a, a typical week look like? What does this course logistically look like? So the way that we're going to organize the course content and participation is going to be as follows. On a Monday evening, we're going to have an interactive lecture with all those who sign up. So kind of like a live webinar. We're going to present a lot of content, um, kind of, again, from a clinical perspective, that's me, but then Alan and Katie are going to, you know, step in and talk about how it's actually applicable, especially with all the experience that they have. Uh, and then we're going to open it up for questions and interaction from the, you know, from the registrants. Then on Wednesdays, we will release some homework because I'm a big believer that, um, intellectual awareness is only one big one step towards progress and, and making things work. You actually have to put things into practice. You have to let the rest of your body catch up with your brain. Um, these things take a lot of rewiring sometimes and practice to, to have an effect, a, a long-term sustainable effect, which is what we want you to get out of this, not just, you know, feel good for a week and then you're done. We want you to put these things into practice so that they're really uh, you, you find sustainable, effective changes throughout the years ahead. And then on Sunday nights, we will have a Q&A. So where, you know, we're just kind of an open forum. I'll be there. Alan and Katie will be there. And, you know, you can bring questions that maybe you didn't think about that first night, but now that you've had a chance to talk together or now you've had a chance to maybe practice some of the homework um, and things come up and you want to talk to us. I think it's also a great opportunity to um, talk about insights and ways that you feel like you are succeeding throughout the week and even challenges that you've faced during the week because we know through the research that when you share with a group uh, any of those things, you actually do better in the long run. So it doesn't have to be just questions. It can be kind of, you know, just sharing little tidbits of your journey so far. And so who, 
uh, who's this course like built for? Is it for, or who is it catered to? You know, what if I'm in, um, you know, I'm in it a couple years. Can I find things in it that will still help me? I think that the course will definitely be probably the most helpful to those in the beginning stages, mainly because in the beginning there can be so much uh, damage done if you're not careful to know kind of just some parameters and boundaries and, and kind of good ideas to set your course, right? So I think those people will definitely benefit a lot. Uh, and yet, I also think that many people will benefit regardless of where they're at on their journey, because so much of what we're going to be talking about is um, understanding faith transitions, understanding communication, um, you know, knowing how to prioritize marital intimacy in all its different shapes and forms, you know, emotional, intellectual, spiritual, uh, physical um, it's going to help you negotiate the, what I call the tenders, right? All the tender spots um, that happen a lot of times when it comes to all the different markers of Mormon lifestyles, such as church activity, you know, what do we tell the kids or who's going to church? Are we accepting callings? Is somebody wearing garments or not? Are we doing coffee, right? All of these different negotiation topics that tend to be fairly tender for a lot of couples, um, and those negotiations are keep coming. It doesn't really matter how long you've been in, you know, so in the process, right? Your kids get older. Uh, there's different rituals. There's different ceremonies. There's different relationships you have. The, the things that you negotiate at the beginning might look different than two to five years down the road. So I, I do think that it's going to be beneficial no matter where you are in the, in the journey. So I think that you just listed off what what we will be talking about every week, yeah, right? Let's, let's go through week by week. Yeah. Uh, what would actually be the topics covered? Week one. Yeah. So week one, I feel very strongly that it's really important to understand kind of some just basic generalities and universalities around faith transitions in general. Oftentimes, faith transitions can feel very personal. Um, if you're in a marriage, it can feel like, this big divider, it can feel like it's something that's only happening to the two of you. And for a lot of times it can feel, especially from the believer, like it's being done on purpose. So it's really important to understand faith transitions from a bigger lens than just your own personal experience so that you avoid things like blame games, meaning ruts, false information, uh, so that you can normalize your experience and build empathy for each other and what the other is going through. So now, that's a really important piece. Does that mean we're going to be reading the gospel topics essays together? (laughs) No. Okay. Okay. No truth claims, right? This is actually the the least Mormon presentation of the whole six weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. Because really faith transitions are life transitions. And, you know, there's so many people that go through faith transitions, regardless of the culture or religion you come from. And so, we're going to talk a lot about it from kind of a universal perspective. Great. Yeah. And week two, we're going to talk about prioritizing your relationship. And so do you want to talk a little bit about that? Why is it important to do that? Yeah. So again, uh, for many people, it's very common that if you dated and met while you were both, you know, quote unquote, kind of on the same Mormon page per, you know, if we're going to kind of try to simplify it. Uh, this can seem like uh, a faith transition can seem very discombobulating, disorienting for a marriage foundation, a marital foundation. 
uh, can leave you feeling like, you know, what are, what are, what's the contract going to be going forward? I thought we had agreed to kind of a certain lifestyle expectation. I thought that, you know, a lot of times people just feel like um, there's a lot of shifts and changes that make the marriage itself feel wobbly. And we don't want your marriages to feel wobbly. I'm a big believer that um, a faith transition shouldn't be the reason for you to separate or divorce. Um, now, some people, it can maybe be a final straw and there can be a lot of other reasons, right? And so I'm not saying divorce and separation isn't necessarily ever a possibility or even a positive outcome, but I'm a big believer that it shouldn't be that, you know, it shouldn't be like you have, you have a lot of good things going on in your marriage and because of a faith transition, that's, that's the end of the rope. Right. So, um, so I think it's just really important to understand uh, just different concepts around marriage, around marital communication and effective ways to communicate and feel connected during a time that can feel very disorienting until you can feel once again, like you have a strong foundation under your feet, which you can as a couple very much so week three you've already mentioned this topic uh and i love the 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 word that you use here the negotiating the tenders right coffee garments that's i mean there's a lot alcohol tithing church attendance i mean this is a i mean i know these are all very lds terms this is another before you explain negotiating the the tenders a little bit uh i think it's important to call out for those that are not LDS, have never been LDS, which is a, a small portion of our listeners actually have no tie to the LDS church. Would this be a helpful course for them as well? Yeah, I think that most, if you're coming from a religious background, um, most religions have aspects of lifestyle that are considered kind of part of the quote unquote contract that we all signed. <laughs> not that nobody, I mean, nobody really signed a contract, right? But, but when you I say, did. you want to see ours? I got it. <laughs> but when you say I'm Catholic and you're Catholic, just in those two words, you're, you're assuming a lot, right. Of what that's going to look like. Uh, what does a Catholic lifestyle look like, right. Or a Jewish lifestyle or a Mormon lifestyle. You're kind of without having to go into the fine legal detail, <laughs> you're kind of have an idea of what, what marital life might look like. And so I think regardless of the tradition you come from, there's going to be some tenders that you're going to have to negotiate because those things might change. Um, I, I, I do believe that Mormonism as well as other, what are kind of usually called uh, higher demand religions. I mean, there are, there is a difference between, for example, Orthodox Judaism and progressive Judaism, right? As far as how many things are expected in the lifestyle behavior from members to kind of belong to the tribe per se, right? And Mormonism tends to be one that's on the list of religions that has a lot of what I call markers, right? So like all the things you just mentioned. So if you come from Mormonism, you're probably going to have more tenders to negotiate than if you come from like a Unitarian tradition, right? Something along those lines. Um, so it might be less applicable for those who come from maybe less markered religions, but I think still applicable to everyone. Great. And that also checked off the list of week three, negotiating the tenders. Good job. Two birds, one stone. (laughs) Uh, number four, and this is one that we get so many questions about is how do I communicate with my family and friends where I am now? And 
okay, I'm going to, I'm not going to name any names, but I have heard advice from other, I mean, therapists. And I feel like sometimes their advice is just to say, well, it's none of your business. And you know, when you can be respectful, you can talk to me, but it's, there's so much more than that. So talk, talk a little bit about that. And Natasha. Well, family and specifically in, in Mormonism and also in other religious cultures tends to be a very important aspect. And so, the, and there can be all different kinds of family dynamics, you know, from enmeshed to connected to chaotic. And, you know, and that's some of what we'll go into is every family system is different. And some family systems are harder to communicate with than others. But one of the things that I think about right from the get-go, and this is why I think this would be helpful for people going through a faith transition right from the beginning, is that sometimes mistakes can be made in how um, people talk about a faith transition with their loved ones, especially if one of the primary partners is feeling betrayed and alone and lost. It can be very easy to triangulate a family member or friend in an inappropriate way that actually ends up hurting your marriage. So we want to be very united in ways that we include family and friends instead of, um, you know, them becoming kind of dividers and feeling kind of betrayed in the sense, like you outed me, for example, right? So whether I go talk to the bishop or I go talk to my mom or I go talk to my best friend or I talk to my brother, uh, these are all ways that sometimes both, both partners on either end of the spectrum can feel really betrayed. So we want to, you know, just have some really clear guidelines of how to do that so that if you have supportive and loving family and friends, which many do, you're um, kind of signaling from the get-go ways that are going to be helpful for them to interact with you as a couple that's marriage friendly. Uh, And, you know, and then to your point, I think there is some natural um, sadness and difficulty just disappointing people, right? And sometimes family and friends, I mean, your faith transition doesn't just affect your spouse, it affects your family and your friends. And they may not, they may be sad or disappointed or scared or worried, you know? And so how do you set up loving boundaries, respectful boundaries that take into account the love and the care and the relationship that you have um, without being kind of like cold, like you're saying, well, it's none of your business. (laughs) Most of us, I mean, there's some people that maybe that's an appropriate response, but most of us have more intimate relationships with family and friends mm-hmm. than that response would, would garner. Right. Yeah. And I would, what else I would, the other thing I would include in this week is actually communicating with ecclesiastical leaders as well. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's another big one. <laughs> that's that, a tricky one that we get talked. Yeah. We talk to a lot of um, people about. So Natasha, we get, and I know you do as well. We get from listeners, <clears throat> hundreds of messages, hundreds of emails, and the number one topic behind the marriage itself is the kids, the children. How do we parent in the mixed faith marriage? How do we deal with this? Explain to uh, everybody here why we wanted to focus two full weeks on parenting in a mixed faith marriage to to finish up this six week course. Yeah, I, I as I have worked with mixed faith families and couples. I think a lot of things would be easier to negotiate if it wasn't for the kids. There's nothing like having kids that brings your mama bear or your papa bear out in full force. And if you feel like something uh, is going to be left out or not included in the education or religious experience or spiritual experience or non-spiritual experience of your children, that can get really dicey really quick. And so I do think that it's a 
more comprehensive topic that would require more than just a week to, to cover it. So week number five, we're going to be talking about how to have united friends in a parenting dynamic in a mixed faith marriage, which a lot of people uh, feel like is almost impossible or very confused on how to do. And there's actually some really great ways to get this done. And then the last week, we're going to talk about uh, really creating a mixed faith family culture. So we're going to end kind of with this idea of the bigger picture, the long-term picture, and how you um, can really role model to your children uh, the wonderful and beautiful aspects that I believe are very much present in a mixed faith family. That's awesome. that's the six weeks. Those are the six weeks. I, I just, I want everyone to just like understand like what, <laughs> I know I'm excited and I'm passionate. I'm very passionate about this, but do you understand we have a course, like a six-week course. <laughs> oh, I love when with, you get cute. With a clinical, like mixed faith marriage expert. You have us, which blah, 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 I get that, but <laughs> I, I, I don't. I like. I hope people understand like how huge this is because there isn't anything like it, and this is something that obviously we're the three of us are very passionate about, and we want to really like do well with it, especially right out of the gate. I, I hope like everyone can just like know and take care. I feel like there are so many people who just can't get to a therapist, who don't have the time, who don't have the money, who don't know who to go to because they don't trust anyone who live outside of Utah, who don't, they don't want to explain their situation over and over again. Like I, I, I there's so many of you that fall into that category and like, we have something for you. One thing that, that I'm reminded of as you talk about that, I, you know, I've, as like I said, I've been working with couples around these issues for over 20 years. And I do get a lot of people coming to me as the second or third therapist, right, in their journey. And the biggest complaints I've heard, you know, is that maybe they went to a religious therapist that wasn't able to necessarily check their own bias. And maybe the person who's transitioning felt really threatened or not supported in that journey. I've also heard of people going to, you know, kind of secular or non-religious therapists um, and then the believer oftentimes feels like they don't even get it. Um, they're not even understanding the pain and the confusion and the, the, the heartache that comes with a faith transition of a spouse um, and really feeling like, um, I mean, if you're the believer, you're kind of on a train that you're not even driving, you know, like faith transitions are already hard for those driving the train, but if you're not even driving the train, that can feel extra discombobulating. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I hear those complaints all the time, which makes me, of course, very sad. And I, and I do want to just, you know, give my, my commitment and my complete, like, utter importance on the following that I want people to understand that as a practitioner myself, and with my own relationship within Mormonism, I have zero agenda, zero agenda in regards to people staying or leaving the church. I know people stay for really great reasons. I know people leave for really, you know, legitimate reasons. That will never be, you know, what we're talking about. What we will be really focusing on and what I'm passionate about is your relationships, your relational health, your ability to feel like you've got tools to manage a difficult time in life and a transition 
in an effective and loving and hopefully edifying way. So that's my 100% commitment to this process. Thank you, Natasha. I'm glad that you, that you called attention to that. You know, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, hopefully you've learned to, to gain trust in, in Katie and myself and how we put together content to make it sure that it is um, helpful and, quote, safe and not biased towards any one side. So we definitely want to keep that tone in this. So you want to sign up. How do you do that? Katie, how do they sign up? So in the show notes on our Facebook page, on Instagram, you can go and click onto the Eventbrite link to sign up for this course. If you want to go directly to Eventbrite, you can, but you have to specify that you are looking for online course because if you just type in, you search workshop on a tightrope, which is the great name of our workshop, um, of our webinar, uh, it won't bring it up unless you've selected that it's an online you're looking for on online it defaults to your current geographic location when you do searches on eventbrite so you have to change the geographic location to an online event and then you will be able to find it just fine but yeah the links will be in the show notes on facebook and on instagram right and because we want to give as much time as we can to each of our couples to ask questions to interact we are limiting our sign up to 20 couples. Now I say that. And then let me tell you, we announced this at our meetup on Saturday and we had three couples sign up. So there are 17 spots left. I'm not trying to put pressure on anyone, but what I'm saying is, is that we want to make sure that there is ample time and that we can answer so many questions with our couples. And we really want to give the care and need that our couples need in order to um, feel good and validated throughout this process. So I, I will, and we'll let you know when that gets filled, but I imagine that it will get filled. Yeah. So someone after they sign up, what can they expect? So they sign up, it's early March right now, if you're Uh listening right after this releases, but uh, the first day is Monday, April 13th. I think that's the first time we've mentioned it, but that's when the first day of this course is going to start. And it ends on May 28th. Right. So what can they expect after they sign up? So after they sign up, you will get a confirmation email. And then a week before the course starts, we will send you um, all of the login information you need in order to access the platform that we will be teaching on and make sure everything works smoothly that way. And then every Monday, like Natasha said, we will uh, release our lecture. And then at the end of the lecture, we will have a question and answer portion. And if you are not available on Mondays to watch it, we totally get it. People have lives. We will have it downloadable. So you can download it at any time after that. We want you to go on Wednesday to look at what the assignment is. And then Sunday, we will do our question and answer. And hopefully sometime during that week, you've watched the lecture if you couldn't on Monday and you've done the homework and you're prepared for Sunday to ask any questions that you may have and for us to to give any type of feedback you need. 
Yeah, and if you can't make one of the Q&A uh, sessions, you can send questions ahead of time that, they, that can be covered on that Q&A, and you can download the recording of the Q&A as well. So regardless of if Monday, Wednesday, and or Sunday is not good for your personal or uh, marital schedule, it, you, you won't miss out on any of the content. Yeah, you'll still be able to participate when it is convenient for you. And so that's another, I think, big plus of us doing it this way. We are extremely excited to go through this. We think it's going to be an extremely valuable resource and really the next step in transforming marriage on a tightrope into a, a, a larger, more beneficial uh, platform for everybody that finds themselves in a mixed faith marriage. Natasha, any last words for our wonderful listeners? I'm just super excited to work with the two of you. You're both so lovely. You just really are. I've just loved following you over the years and I'm super excited that you've invited me. In fact, not just excited, but honored that you would have thought of me as to partner with on this project. And um, yeah, let's get this thing done. <laughs> do it. We are excited. I am, I am so super stoked. So I mean, I think people know that, right? I think so. I think people know I'm excited. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening to Marriage on a Tightrope. If you'd like to send us an email, you may do so at marriageonatightrope at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at marriageonatightrope. You can also join our Facebook group to enjoy conversation and thoughts from other mixed-faith marriage couples. We hope to see you in this course, and we'll see you on the next episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. When it's done. We're gonna see that it was better That we grew up together Tell me you don't wanna leave Cause if change is what you need You can change right next to me When you're high, I'll take the lows You can ebb and I can flow We'll take it slow and grow as we go Grow as we go Grow as we go